Welcome back, everyone, to the 40 Pep Podcast. I'm your host, Nolan Beck, and this is the episode Greener Pastures Part 2. So I decided to re-record Part 2. Um, I wasn't satisfied or happy, and I know you guys weren't either um, with the sound quality of Part 1 of this episode. So, you know, a great thing happened. Taylor, uh, one of our trainers here in Tucson, was in Hashmi Lloyd's store, our rookie manager of the year. Shout out to store 9206. And Hashmi is, I guess, a fan of the show. And he really wanted to uh, kind of help out and be a part of it. And he's an audio, he's going to school to become an audio engineer. And it, it's something he loves to do. And so he's volunteered his serv- services to help me out, which is I can't even say how thankful I am for that because I have no idea what I'm doing, um, and he does. So hopefully from here on out, guys, you will have a nice, clean, pristine product um, that goes straight into your ears. So thank you again, Hashmi, and thank you again, Ed, for meeting with me a second time and sacrificing that time to... Uh, to help some people out, I greatly appreciate it, and I know you're you're truly a busy man. So thank you, thank you. Um, so yeah, guys, uh, in in this part, you know, we talk a little bit more about about COVID. We also talk about um, who Ed's hero was, pretty much, and uh, the influence that person had on his life, and kind of helped him get to where he's at today. And then we also talk about his uh, his animal he would be in this one. It's pretty interesting. So. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Please let me know what you think. You can reach out and email me at 40peppodcast at dpzwest.com. That's the number 40peppodcast at dpzwest.com. Send me your feedback. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know if you want anybody interviewed, any uh, recommendations, anything like that. I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, So uh, without further ado, guys... I present to you the interview part two with Ed Green. But first, yeah, you know, commercials. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you to the MGM Grand. You all have come from across the nation and even the world to witness a battle of the fastest pizza maker around the world. In one corner, the reigning champion, regional director of Gatesburg, Maryland, three pizzas in 55 seconds, Dennis Tran! And in the other corner, the challenger, two-time champion, franchise owner in Canada, three pizzas in 47.56 seconds, Werner Lunker! Now, for the moment you all have been waiting for, for those of you in attendance at the MGM Grand, and those watching around the world, let's get ready to rally! Ed, welcome back. I appreciate you uh, spending more time. Sorry we had to do this again. Um, but uh, where we left off last time, uh, I was getting ready to talk about when I took over being a supervisor 
in the age of COVID and how difficult that that experience has been. Um, and how long have you been a supervisor again? Can you remind me? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I started supervising in November. Well, I guess it was probably September of 2019. But back then, I was still kind of running shifts in two of the stores until we acquired the third store. But I've been supervising since then. Okay, so you've 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 been kind of experiencing the same thing as, as me with with COVID and kind of getting tossed into that fire, something that you know most supervisors have have never experienced, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, I had just finished my year mark as a supervisor, and I was still making the adjustments from where, you know, when you're the, when you're the GM of a, a store, it's it's your store. When when you go in. Everyone knows this is how it's going to be. This is how it's going to happen. And at that point, you're just leading, you know, managers, CSRs, drivers, and that step up to the next level to become a supervisor. You you have to start leading leaders and you can't go in and take the power from your GM and be like, no, you need to run it my way because this is how it's got to be. You can't do that. You just undermine them, you frustrate them, and you have to allow them to grow their own leadership style. Yeah, kind of, kind of, you know, steps on their confidence a little bit, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so being a supervisor, a fresh supervisor during COVID, what were some of the challenges that you've experienced that you you really weren't kind of foreseeing? Uh, oh, so. I mean, in the beginning, uh, the the biggest challenge was it seemed like Domino's was so far ahead of the curve with all of the changes. So we would uh, I sit in on the the franchisee system calls every other week. And at that time, they were doing them every week. So we'd sit in and we'd hear okay, we're going to implement this new system to start doing this for COVID. And then the following week, they'd be like, well, we're not really doing it that way anymore, but we're going to. <laughs> right. And it was like every single week I'd have to go to my stores. And the way we do training is kind of like a trickle down effect. We, I go in, I train the GM and the management team. I train them on whatever is rolling out. And then it's their job to assign training to each member of management so it gets to the rest of the crew. And then I go back behind, follow up with a team member like a CSR or a driver, and then I have them train it back to me. So I know that way if they can train me, then I know the managers did their job and trained the other people right so everyone knows what's going on. Right. And they switch so many things every week. Week in, week out, there's new regulations. And, and it wasn't, you know, Domino's fault. We were just trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? Like, like the CDC was changing things every week. And, you know, the government was saying something else every week. And so, obviously, that's kind of a stressful situation. Did you kind of notice the same stresses with your leaders and just, like, them pulling their hair out? Um, we didn't feel so much stress. And, you know, honestly, the the whole reason that we were able to be continue being successful as a brand was because Domino's was so successful and they were really out in front. And those meetings that we had to do every week. Yeah, it was stressful for me because I had to go in there every week and change something up for them. But I mean, 
everyone understood what was going on. And I, I think that at the store level, that kind of mitigated some of their stress because they didn't have to worry about, oh, what I don't know what I have to do because I was in there every single week. Okay, we've got to do it this way now, guys. And we got to make sure we're still on top of our sanitation and everything else that needed to be done. So um, I think in a way, some of the top leadership got a little more stressed out. But I think us, um, for the employees, we really were able to limit some of that stress as far as rolling things out. There were other stresses, of course, you know, yeah. filling schedules, people getting yeah. family members, all that normal stuff. You know, it's still going to exist. Right, right. And and that's kind of the same situations we've had down here, the short staffing, people, you know, calling in because they have to, whether they, you know, feel all right or not, you know, they were positive for COVID. So they had to be out for a week or whatever, 14 days, you know, when it first started happening. Um, and when that was going on, you know, we, we had to fill in their shifts. And if they were a 40 hour a week employee, you know, a lot of times that was a little tougher than, than normal. And I know uh, last time we talked, uh, you kind of talked about that a little bit where you guys were pretty good starting off, uh, you know, pretty stable, didn't have to find the help as much. But here recently in the past few months, it, it was a little bit tougher for you. Is that, is, do I remember that correctly? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we were we were really lucky, uh, very fortunate in the first the first wave of everything. We we didn't ever have to close the store down. But for um, one day, one full day um, over the course of three days uh, for one store. But overall, we've been we've been open full hours, you know, open to close normal hours um, in all of our stores. But the last probably four months, we've been experiencing what what we've started calling like the secondary employee shortage. Mm -hmm. So we've had we've had all those people that have been working for us for, for a real long time. And they didn't miss any time. You know, they were they were here. They were they were always showing up. And now we have those those people that suddenly got sick out of nowhere and they're having to work even more hours and they're getting really tired. Yeah. What, what are you guys doing to kind of uh, handle some of those, those stresses? Um, I know last time you talked about like getting them food, bringing them treats is what, what else are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, we, I actually did a little bit, a little experiment. I, uh, I talked to each of my GMs and I had them go back and, I mean, you you know the business. There's those trusted employees in everyone's store. There's the even if they're you know just a driver, but they always you know, they're they're telling you, hey, this we need more such and such, or you know they're working 40 hours. So I had each of my J GMs reach out to their most entrusted employees, one man, one love, uh, member of management, one CSR, and one driver, and I told them to ask just a simple question, a couple simple questions. Um, what about the job do you not like? Um, what could we do to make your job better? Um, and what was the last one? That might have been it. This this was like four or five months ago. But uh, yeah. So anyway, the uh, the resounding answer from everyone was we we want to go home on time. So we 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 kind of took a hit in service and we just scheduled people. And when it was time for them to go home, we sent them home. 
And um, that really helped. It improved morale. You know, the drivers weren't complaining because they open and then they stay till like 8 or 9 p.m. And it, was, it really took some stress out of the workplace for them. And then as far as things that I've personally been doing for the cruise, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll show up with, you know, bags full of energy drinks, uh, cookies. <laughs> um, on Christmas Eve, I, I delivered bunt cakes to all the employees that were working on Christmas Eve. Um, you know, things like that. It's just just little little gestures like that really go a long way. And making sure that you tell everyone that they're doing a good job and that you appreciate them being there and helping out is it goes a long way. It, it just yeah. really does. Cause yeah. And oh, people work for people, people work for, for good people. You know, if, if you're going to show up and you're going to lead and you're going to tell them that you really appreciate them and that you have their back and you can show them what they're doing to help you out, it really gets their buy-in. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, th there's a difference between, you know, just saying, hey, I appreciate you and then actually showing that, that you appreciate them. Um, and and that, that little bit of difference is a huge difference when it comes to morale. If, if they believe it and they trust you and, and they're seeing like that you're willing to put in the work, too, and, and kind of help out wherever possible, um, you know, I think human beings in general when they feel appreciated, they're more willing to kind of step up to do whatever it takes to kind of get through the problem solving that, that we, we need to get through. Um, and, and we're kind of, go ahead. It was, it was actually really crazy too, because so one of the, one of the drivers that, and this, this actually happened really recently, so it wouldn't have been on the last recording, but one of the drivers that uh, had actually expressed that they had wanted to go home on time, you know, we were really busy a couple nights ago and it was their time to go home. And I was like, all right, well, you know, do your cleaning task and then get your money. You can get out of here. And they were like, you guys are really busy. I'll stay and take a couple more runs. And I was like, really? That's that's awesome. Thank you so right. much. I really appreciate it. Like, you know, and because we've been doing that for them, they really they really understand. And they're they're willing to, you know, do that when they can. You know, we're not asking it of them, but if they're if they're like, hey, yeah, I'll take a couple more. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. You're really helping out. And it goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, def definitely. And and I think during COVID, we've seen more of that, you know, that team mentality and people helping each other out, not just in dominoes, but, you know, out in life, you know, it's really kind of brought a lot of people together. It's also put, you know, made some splits down the line. But I think majority human beings, you know, we, we tend to, we see somebody hurting and, and it's instinct to try to want to help and and I think Domino's is really, really good about breeding that culture because we are so connected with each other in the store and we're so close in the store. I mean, we, we tend to see our employees more than we do see our own families sometimes, especially, you know, at the GM level. Um, and, and, you know, one thing that I've been really blessed with in my area is, is that, you know, the team kind of stepped up and, and kind of took care of each other. And if I needed something, you know, there was no hesitation. They were there for me um, and, and vice versa. If they needed something from me, I made sure it, it was, you know, it was a focus of mine to make sure I, I came through for them because like we need that. We, we need that trust that if I need something and, and you're somebody who can help me, like 
please be that person to step up because our options right now are really, really slim, right? Um, so let's let's get off of COVID for a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's I know it's it's kind of the, the daily routine, right? Is is what what's the next COVID thing? <laughs> so let's let's talk about some good stuff. Um, and and you talked a little bit about. Uh, you know, working for Phil McManus and uh, a couple of your your mentors, um, who out there right now is really inspiring you and, and kind of helping you get through some of these battles and and who is constantly teaching you personally? Well, really, uh, I guess part part of not only not only a constant learning, but it it really kind of echoes back to what I had been taught from an early age. And this person was someone who, you know, instilled uh, a work ethic that um, it's, it's stuck with me for my whole life. It's the reason that I'm so dedicated to my job now. Um, and I've been dedicated to Domino's for years now. But uh, my mom, my mom, she, uh, she taught me how to be a professional. Uh, you know, she's been uh, working uh, for the most part, single mom. Uh, taking care of me and my brother, um, always providing for us, making sure we never, you know, we never went without food, electricity, a roof over our head and stuff like that. Um, but she she was a huge um, influence on how I treat work and how I show up because I, I saw how hard she worked and what she would do just to make sure that we we were taken care of. Um, I've, I've translated that into, you know, in order for me to be successful and for me to get to my end goal, I need to put that much work into. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, mothers have, have a, uh, weird way of, of motivating us because they can take a belt to our butts and <laughs> we'll never do something again. And they can tell us they, they love us to the end of the world after we've screwed up horribly. And they've, they've, you know, they're the ones that, no matter how hard we fall, they'll always pick us back up. Um, and I mean, she was, she was also one of the people that, um, you know, in my life that kind of supported this, like she, she, my grandmother and, you know, my grandparents and some of my other extended family, they were like, well, you want to work for Domino's for the rest of your life? Yeah. The pizza, like, pizza shop stereotype. Right? Yeah. Aren't you going to school? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm good at this and I like it and it's fulfilling. And I know what I could do if I followed my career path. So, but my mom always, she was always very supportive. She was like, I know that whatever you put your mind to, you're going to be successful at. And if this is what you want to do, then do it. So let, let's talk about that stereotype a little bit because it, it's common, right? Like it, oh, yeah, it happened sure. to me, you know, I said I wanted to be Domino's for life and, you know, you kind of get that weird look like, why do you want to work at a pizza shop for the rest of your life? And, you know, for me, like, like you, it, it's fun. Like I really enjoy like the atmosphere. It's one of those jobs where, you know, you can have fun at work and you can listen to music and you, you can socialize with people you know, at, on a different level than if you were sitting in a cubicle or you're at a hospital, you know, it, you can actually talk about fun things. And, you know, one thing I truly like love about my job and for any GM out there, I encourage you if, if you aren't doing this to help people succeed, not just at Domino's, but at life and 
if you don't want to teach those skills on how to be a hard worker and how to be on time to work and how to represent yourself as a leader, then being a GM is going to suck. Cause like the only way I enjoyed my job was like when my assistant manager, you know, graduated college left us, you know, one of my best assistants left us to go be a nurse. But it was one of the greatest feelings I ever had because I know that I helped push her to, to that goal. I also know that I helped make it work for her to be able to do that, go to school and, you know, still make money to be able to pay for it. And, you know, I worked around her schedule. I didn't, you know, keep my schedule. This I worked Monday through Friday, you know, nine to five or whatever, you know, you know, some GMs have out there. I made sure that I worked around what she needed so that she, she could be successful in that. And I know that, you know, down the line when she's remembering when she was going to college, like she knows Nolan, Nolan helped her out, you know, and that's, that's the only reason I, I get my kicks and jollies out of this job is when, when people are successful. And I think that's for any supervisor. I think we kind of go into this job wanting that position and wanting to do that. Um, and I think, I think Domino's is kind of one of those perfect places where if, if you want to be a teacher or you want to mold people to become successful or, you know, even to learn, you know, basic things like CSRs in high school, like learning to show up on time is a lost art. Like people being, you know, punctual and reliable is a rarity. And if you're one of those people that are, are like that or have been taught that and you live by that, your opportunities will come sooner to you than the person who's showing up late all the time, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. And, and so I always consider myself, yes, I'm a supervisor, but most importantly, I'm a teacher. Like, I am there to teach my GMs how to be better. I am there, you know, to teach, you know, all leadership on what their goals should be or what if they have goals like how how do they achieve them how do they get there and like i said that's not just domino's goals like somebody wants to go to school or wants to get their ged for example you know i go in and i look up programs for them to you know sign up to get their ged ged or what schools you know are available to them you know i try to you know go above and beyond of what's required of me as a boss to make them, you know, in a better place for what they want to achieve. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I preach this to all of my GMs like, and I mean, I hope it gets echoed down to the, you know, the, the shift leaders and the, the assistant managers and stuff like that too. But um, when we have our week, our monthly uh, GM meetings, um, I, I'm constantly telling these guys, if you guys aren't going in and teaching someone something new every single day, you're not doing your job. Right. Like you, I, I get that every GM is going to be at a different level, but if you're not going in there and teaching someone, first off, you're, you're making your job harder. So right. <laughs> if, if you want to be Superman and you want to go do everything and you know, you want to be there 70, 80 hours a week, making sure everything's done right. I mean, Okay, more power to you. I'm going to look for your replacement now because in a month you're going to be dead. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to want to work anymore. Yeah, you're going to burn yourself out. And it's just you you have to go in with that mindset is I'm I'm the one in charge and I am the leader 
but that doesn't mean it stops there. You're also the part of leading is teaching people what to do and instilling that knowledge that you have because you're you're in your position for a reason. Share that knowledge with your crew. Make sure that you're teaching, you know, someone how to do your job. Because if you want a promotion and you want to go further, you can't go anywhere if no one's going to be able to take your spot. Right. <laughs> always train yourself out of your own position, you know. Um, it's it's very important to always have that next person. And I'm so proud of the the GM that took over for me because I hired him. Um, he had he had worked for corporate and he did some shift running and I hired him as a CSR and I promoted him into shift leader probably a couple weeks after that you know, started molding him, started teaching him. And, you know, he had, he had some, some things to get through and some, some challenges that we had to overcome, but he's now, I, I, I got him to the point that he, he took over the store when I was promoted to be supervisor and just watching him grow and do the things that he does in my old store and actually surpass what I did. Right. Like right. he's, he's running amazing numbers. Like, with you know even bigger sales like my, i i had the sales up and he just made them even bigger and like is running better food you know good service uh better labor half the time he's got a full like full management team and he's got like three or four other managers waiting in the wings to be promoted as well so he's just turning out people like for us mm -hmm. and that's amazing like he he does an amazing job and i'm i'm just so proud to see someone that you know i kind of like I started with him, you know, and, you know, it wasn't the beginning of his Domino's career, but like he moved up through the ranks and was like there. And now he's like surpassing me when I was a GM. It just it feels so good. Like you said, you want to give him a shout out on the podcast? Yeah. Um, uh, Josh Page, if you're uh, listening, I'm talking about you, buddy. All right. Way to go, Josh. <laughs> Is that the one in uh, Anthem? Uh, that's in Buckeye, actually. Oh, that's in Buckeye. Um, okay. uh, the one in Anthem, he, he's an. I mean, I am blessed by my my GMs. They're all fantastic. Uh, the one in Anthem, he throughout the pandemic, he ran like, I believe it was seventy eight percent turnover. Um. So and the industry average right now is like one hundred and forty percent. Yeah. So we, we've never had to run an Indeed app or a Facebook ad or anything like that to get people in his store because his people love working for him. Mm -hmm. Like he has that store, you know, firing all cylinders. It's a lower volume store, but, you know, his numbers look good all the time. Um, and like I said, the people love working for him. Like they they really have the utmost respect for him and his leadership style is completely different from mine so i have no idea how he does it <laughs> <laughs> right. but it works for him and his crew loves him and they perform so i mean he he's he's one of the reasons that i'm able to focus on um my quote unquote problem store but um and again they're they're doing an amazing job too they're just a little short staffed right now so that's right. not they're not a problem because they're doing a bad job. They're a problem because they need people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I have to put a lot of time and effort with them. And because he's so self-sufficient, really far away from my other two stores, you know, I don't really have to worry about it. And it's amazing. No, oh, that's, that's ideal for a supervisor, right? <laughs> when, when you only have to go in and check in and check numbers and then tell them, Hey, you're doing a great job. Pat yourself on the back. Like that's, that's the ideal supervisor situation.
It's a rare situation. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about. We kind of talked about different styles and and how he's you know a different style from you. And if I remember, you're a different style from Phil when it comes to how how you manage and stuff. Um, you know, and that's one thing that I've learned doing this podcast and learned from, you know, my, my training program, even from my own GMs, um, that there's, there's a million ways to crack an egg, right? Like if you have a problem, there's, there's, there's a hundred ways to solve that problem. And one thing I've had to learn is, cause I was kind of that guy where if you're not going to do it, I'm just going to do it. And then I'm going to eventually find somebody who's, who's going to want to take over for me and I'm going to train them to, to do it my way. But as a supervisor, you kind of have to step away from that. And you kind of talked about it a little bit earlier in, in this episode that you, you got to get away from that control and you got to allow them to be them. And, you know, what allowed you to trust them to be in that position of GM is who they were as a leader. And you got to let them be that that leader, whether it's, you know, your style or not, you know, it you got to kind of push them to kind of hone that skill that got them to that point. Right. Oh yeah, of course. And a lot of the times, so we do, we do monthly GM meetings um, with all the GMs, myself and the owner, and then whoever they want to bring, like if they want to bring in one of their assistants or they're open to anyone in the, in the company, honestly. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But um, we, we do, tend to talk about very, you know, upper level stuff that, you know, unless you've been a GM or in you know, a shift runner for a while, it's probably going to go over your head. But I make sure that I include something that has to do with leadership because I don't, we've never wanted to teach someone to be a GM of a Domino's pizza. Like we always, right. we always want to teach them to be a, someone who's running a business and a leader in their restaurant. So that's that's why it's so important for me. And we we talk about all the time, like leadership, we, goal setting, you know, communication, training, There's people skills. So, exactly. <laughs> communication is a huge one because, you know, for a while there, one of my managers, he was just like, uh, he just didn't ever tell me anything. I was like, dude, I can't come to you every time I need information. Like you need to start talking to me a little bit more. And is it's huge. You each each little aspect about leadership is integral to becoming a a, a successful general manager um and then if they don't want to be a general manager forever please don't you guys don't go anywhere stay forever i love you but um <laughs> <laughs> these skills will transfer to other lines of work and um i mean i know i know all three of my gms have goals and it, it's continuing with domino so i'm very lucky but <laughs> uh, yeah we're, we're setting them up for success and even even now like the reason that i'm so involved and desiring to become a franchisee is it, it started back when I was a GM for my old franchise. He was always teaching us how to be a business owner. We always thought of, and I've said it myself when I was a GM, and I, I kind of still say it too. I was like, my stores, you know, that's what, that's mm -hmm. how I view them. They're, they're mine. You know, when I was managing, it, it was my store. I mean, okay. I didn't own it, but it was my store. Mm -hmm. So, and just really having that ownership and that, 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 that drive to, to make it good is, is very important. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, GMs have to take ownership and, and they have to think of it as, as their store. But with that, like we said earlier, we, we have to allow them to run it their way, right? And, and, and we, we have to continue to, to t- train and teach them the consequences of whether they're positive or negative of how they are running their store, right? And, and that's where the, the communication you know, part comes in. But you know, going back to that stereotype and you know, when you tell your aunts and grandmas and moms sometimes uh, that you, you're gonna be a GM for Domino's or even a supervisor for Domino's, you know, and they, they say, well, why do you wanna work in a pizza shop? Well, because I get to run a business. You know, and that's what that's what you tell them. Because I, I get to run a business. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, <laughs> and and then it kind of changes. Charge with a, a two million dollar store, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and that that changes that stereotype pretty quickly. And then what's funny is then they'll come visit me inside the store, and they'll actually see me at work and what I do. And then that's that's the moment where they're like, "Oh, I didn't I didn't realize what you do." You know, I'm proud of what you do because, you know, when I first got into Domino's, you know, I was, I was a young kid with no goals, no ambitions, you know, that got drunk all the time and partied all the time. Right. That that's where I was at in life. And honestly, Domino's has kind of influenced on, has influenced me with some of my goals and self-confidence and, you know, realizing as a GM that I can run a store, but I can run it profitably, that I can also have a staff that one respects me, but wants to do well for me. And then they start getting self-confidence. That's, that's like the ultimate goal right there. Like when I see people that were written off or think themselves that they just suck or they're horrible at their job or, you know, they're struggling in life, whatever it is. And I can help them get through that situation and I can help them kind of grow into something bigger and better. And I always talk about like my old franchises. I've worked at four, you know, in Omaha, there, there are four people that are running stores in Omaha right now that I hired and trained. And I remember, you know, having the conversation with them. What do you want to do? With yourself and they had no direction they were just working the job at Domino's and then going home and playing video games like that was their goal in life and when I would talk to them about you know do you want to have a family do you want to buy a house do you do you want to go to school like what are your goals like nobody ever asked them that before like and and they were kind of taken aback by it but once I found out what they wanted to do in life like I knew what I needed to do with them to give them self-confidence, to give them motivation, to give them, you know, step-by-step goals on to get to where they want to be in life. Cause we know not everybody's going to stay in dominoes. Like, I mean, you know, we have a turnover rate like crazy. And part of that's the stereotype, you know, part of it is cause you know, the type of job and some people have other jobs or whatever, but those ones that come out of high school or, or, you know, lost and don't know what they want to do like they come work for us to you know just to make money so they can pay the bills and then they realize like they could have a future they could have a future in this job like somebody trusts me 
Yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of gets, you know, looked over a lot um, when when people start talking about pizza shops and Domino's and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it is a business and it's a million dollar business, you know, and I'm in charge of it. I'm going to be proud of that. And and you should be proud of me too, Ma or Aunt or Grandma. Like, <laughs> um, All right, man. We are hitting uh, 33 minutes, so I got one more question for you. I appreciate you getting back on with me. Um, I asked you this question last time. They didn't get to hear it, but if you could be any animal on the planet, what animal would you be and why? And I love your answer, by the way. <laughs> uh, so um, the the peregrine falcon, and um, so the, there's, there's two reasons uh, I picked this animal. Uh, first and foremost is they can fly. And I mean, being able to fly is super cool. That's something that I always wanted to do. Um, you know, think about it. You, I got to drive to work. You know, it'd be way better if I was just floating in the air and like I could get to work that way. I wouldn't have to be in traffic. Wouldn't have to, you know, I'd probably have to miss the airport, but that's not a big deal. Like I can figure that out. But flying is super cool. And the second reason, and uh, not a lot of people know this, but they are the world's fastest animal. Um, so they do this, they do this dive and they can, they, I, I always forget. I think it's like 200 miles an hour is how fast they can go. But I don't know, double wow. check that. But it's like, they're fast. They're, and they're just a little, like, no, not little, but they're, they're a bird and they're the fastest animal on earth. And I think that's super cool. Yeah, that's, it's very unique for sure. Um, thank you again, Ed, for getting back on with me. I, I appreciate your time. I, I know having to do this a second time is probably something you didn't want or need to do, but I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, and I got some help. Somebody, you know, uh, hash me Lloyd is going to help me with this audio and, uh, appreciate it. Hash me. Thank you. Um, Ed, you're an amazing guy. Uh, keep doing what you're doing up there. I appreciate your time. Appreciate what you're doing for the franchise out there and for Domino's. Uh, you're, you're really moving stones and, and doing a great job. So thank you again, and good luck to you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, take care, bud. Yep. And that was the conclusion to part two of Greener Pastures, the interview with Ed Green. Thank you again, Ed, for meeting with me. Hash me, thanks for the help. I greatly appreciate it. Look forward to what we can accomplish in the future. All right, guys, now's the time. Send some feedback. What did you think of the episode? Uh, what recommendations do you have, suggestions? Um, anybody you want to listen to on, on the show, uh, please give us some feedback at 40peppodcast at dpzwest.com. That's the number, 40peppodcast at dpzwest.com. I'm your host, Nolan Beck. Look forward to talking to you next week. Be great out there, guys. Thank you.